Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Talk to Brazil with Tom Riach, the business connector to business in Brazil. Welcome to Talk to Brazil, the business connection, the world's first English language internet radio program about business in Brazil, now in podcast format. I'm Tom Riach, an American in Brazil, and I'm talking from my studio in the city of Campinas, Sao Paulo, Brazil. So when you talk to Tom, you talk to Brazil and the world. Today's guest is Alexandra Jaroska, and Alexandra is from Poznan in Poland, and she's now visiting Brazil and talking to us from Sao Paulo. She's a social integration training specialist and facilitator. She is also a board member of the Migrant Info Point in Poland. We met recently through a mutual friend at an event where I was making a presentation regarding speed networking to a group of entrepreneurs at a Be Amazing Challenge event in Sao Paulo. So with that, Alexandra, hello and welcome to Talk to Brazil. Hello, Tom, and thank you for having me. Well, I want to welcome you again to Brazil. And I mentioned to our audience, we met very briefly uh, at the event. Uh, and it was amazing in a very short period of, t of time to learn so much about you. And yes. as I mentioned, uh, when I was a child, I'd studied at a school that was basically all of my friends were Polish. So uh, it was very interesting to meet you. So congratulations again of coming. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really interesting to me that uh, you had so many Polish friends and you were growing up in the U.S. in such a... Polish atmosphere, so that's very cool, uh, cool fact too. <laughs> it's well, it's really uh, what brings me to what I call myself a multicultural person. And mm -hmm. many years ago, and this is many, many years ago, when I was a child, uh, I lived in Pittsburgh, and in the area where I lived, uh, more specifically, was a city called McKees Rocks. And at that time, most of the neighborhoods in the city and, and around were very ethnical in their makeup. Uh, so you had the, the Italians, you had the Polish, you had the, the Slovaks, Romanians, you had all Hungarians, all different migrant groups who migrated to the Pittsburgh area and set up their own communities and their neighborhoods. Uh, and Pittsburgh at, at that time still was and is known as the steel city. So a lot of steel mills, a lot of mining in the area. And that really attracted a lot of people from Europe uh, to the area. And that was the makeup. But uh, my mother was uh, from a, an Italian uh, family, and my father was from a Scottish family. So oh, I was one of the first. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, and what was interesting, and that's what really why one of the reasons within that framework, most of my cousins from the Italian side generally spoke Italian and English. On my father's side, everybody spoke English. Uh, and many of my neighbors only spoke Italian. But the school that was closest to us was the Polish school. And that's why my brother and I went to the Polish school. And that, to me, uh, today, 
helped me understand that the world is a completely different place than most people actually thought. And today it's even more complex. So mm -hmm. under, understanding uh, traditions, understanding culture, having an understanding for different languages in a global society that we are today is fundamental. So that was my background. So I really, I didn't really learn Polish, uh, even though all my friends spoke it. But at, at the mass, the mass was all, what wasn't sung in Latin was sung in Polish. So, mm -hmm. so I did learn how to sing in Polish. So, and <laughs> That's I, very cool. And I, I as I mentioned, <laughs> I did learn to eat some of the Polish foods and my favorites until today are still pierogies. So... <laughs> that's great. That's where that's we are great. in our culture, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I want to talk about your work. Uh, and in Europe, as I mentioned, you are a, also a training person, a facilitator, and you're a board member of a, a migrant information point in Poland. But now you've been in Brazil, I guess, for what, a month now? Is that correct? Exactly, yes, one month. And I saw, I guess, on Instagram... Uh, that you also took part in a workshop here uh, with migrants and with refugees. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Um, it was a workshop um, organized by a migration museum in Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. It's a really great institution to definitely visit for everyone to learn about basically why Bra one of the reasons why Brazilian uh, society is so diverse in ethnicities and right. um, in terms of where actually people came from to Brazil. It's very interesting place to uh, to learn about that. And um, the um, this uh, this museum has organized uh, a couple of events about uh, migration in Brazil uh, during the week. Um, the campaign of human rights. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, yeah, and there was a workshop that um, because I got a, in touch with with the museum before I came to Brazil, uh, we decided that we want to do something together. So we organized a workshop that was an exchange of experiences when it comes to working with migrants and refugees in a local context. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in Poland and in Brazil. So it was like an exchange of experiences, exchange of the knowledge about uh, what kind of rights migrants have here and in Poland and um, and how what are the ways to to support uh, migrants uh, community uh, in Sao Paulo and in in the city that I live in Poland. So it was very, very interesting experience for me because as it turned out um, Brazil and especially Sao Paulo uh, states has a lot of um, good laws in terms of um, migration and and receiving um, welcoming migrants and refugees now th that's an important point and uh, last week I also interviewed another person that I passed on her name to that I think you should uh, meet and talk with. Uh, when we look, at, and really what you're talking about is the process of helping migrants integrate socially. 
uh, because yes. migration and refugees, uh, I don't want to overstate that, uh, but there, we have them throughout the world, uh, even in the States, a lot of migration, a lot of refugees coming in here in Brazil, and more specifically to our uh, global audience, we have an influx of Haitians, we have an influx of Venezuelans, uh, other Latin American groups, but also from other countries, Syrians, Lebanese, uh, that do come and reestablish themselves. And I think an important point to make uh, that you've seen uh, that Brazil and Brazilians are very welcoming in that. Uh, they may not understand the languages, they may not understand the cultures, but there are groups available and set up to try to help that process of integration. So what you've seen in Europe and comparing to mm -hmm. what you've now seen in Brazil the process of integration, social integration, is it the same? You have to understand the culture of the people coming. You, have to, you know their language differences. What are mm -hmm. the similarities? Uh, so I think the similarities are definitely that there are a lot of uh, institutions or more like non-governmental organizations that organize itself to, uh, to help migrants integrate to support them in that process uh, so that's definitely a similarity um, that i can see that i've learned um, while meeting all these people there in, in immigration museum um, i think definitely of course there is a process of getting to know the the culture the language that's that has to be similar in in every country which is uh, receiving uh, migrants. Uh, what the differences are, I would say, is uh, that most European countries, or at least the European countries that the migration laws I am familiar to, have um, a more, uh, as you said, um, the culture here is more open and, and more friendly, and that is reflected in the law. So <laughs> most of the European countries that I know, and I can mostly speak for Poland, for example, has um, a more harsh uh, approach to, to migration. And that results, for example, in, in having detention centers or having deportation um, uh, uh, processes, mm -hmm. right? Which, for example, in Brazil, is not uh, so much present. Uh, it's uh, sometimes even forbidden in, in law, uh, as far as I, I learned from the experts here. So that definitely is reflected then on the um, mi migrants' communities because they feel they might feel less threatened by by law. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, then there are also other problems, and we could talk about them probably for a few hours, if not a few days. Right. <laughs> but the, the similarities, uh, you also mentioned before we started the, the, the podcast, uh, you were involved in youth groups in Europe. And yes. You mentioned uh, Polish groups and German groups, is that correct? Yes, exactly. And, and what are the similarities there, if you, you can help us understand? Uh, the similarities in uh, in working with uh, with those youth groups and and working here, or what do you? No, mean? well, there you you mentioned that the, the, you're working with German and Polish groups. You were talking about uh, the language differences. It's a yes. multi. You have groups that are multilingual, actually. 
Some spoke yes. German, some speak Polish. She said some speak Russian, some be, speak Turkish. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I. Um, so my work uh, that I do in Poland is mostly right now a facilitation of those groups. So the aim of actually bringing these people together is um, bringing those young people together, which is very important here, is that they um, learn about themselves, their cultures, but just also have the experience of um, interacting with another person that, for example, doesn't speak their language. Right. And uh, my task there is to make sure that this process is going as smooth as possible. Um, and so this is definitely a challenge when you have a group of people from Poland and a group of people from Germany. But actually, it's way more diverse than that because uh, those people might live in those countries, but they are not necessarily uh, Germans or Poles. They have migration backgrounds, then, and they speak different languages like Turkish, uh, Russian, as you said, mm -hmm. Arabic, uh, and then uh, and then Polish and uh, Ukrainian, for example. And then uh, we need to find ways to to communicate beyond the language, so to say. So find ways to communication uh, beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, and surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, the the younger the participants are in the in the facility in the um, uh, facilitation groups that I that I train the better it goes for them so <laughs> the easier it is for them well, I think that's the point to be made that uh, I don't have anything against older generations because I'm part of that uh, but <laughs> older generations tend to be more conservative in changing uh, they've also created a comfort level. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. I mentioned my time in Pittsburgh when I was a kid. Uh, my relatives were very comfortable in speaking Italian while they were in the United States amongst all their relatives. Uh, it's not, and some of them uh, never really learned English. Uh, mm -hmm. So I can see your challenge of working with youth groups, and, and I think that's an important point. The, the youth across the board generally are more eager to integrate. Is that, is that the, the bottom line? Can we say that? Yeah, and I think it's easier for them because, I, uh, because they are younger, and that means that they don't have so many maybe internal borders, kind of, mm. you, you know, that they... Right. Um, that they see and they they have because the more uh older we are i think we tend to see more borders between each other as people so um that's also like the goal of of the work that i do that we kind of um don't look at those differences that seem 
kind of impossible to overcome right. as for example language barrier or very different culture backgrounds and we just look at okay what we can do together we can build i don't know a, a house out of the uh <laughs> straws plastic right. straws or something like that and then turns out we can do that uh and we are really good good in that uh, so that means maybe we can do another thing and another thing and um yeah, and that really shows that, uh, of course, children are more open-minded and than teenagers. Uh, the, the younger they are, they are more open-minded and more willing to do that because um, they, they don't have all those kind of rules or differences in their mind uh, yet, <laughs> I would say. Well, but too, I think uh, this is my opinion really that technology has also helped that because you mentioned obviously in what you do uh, in Europe you know, the Polish and the German groups uh, the multi-languages in a group it's important to try to either find someone to translate or to help through that but technology yes. today anybody who has a a smartphone in their hand is able to have things translated almost instantly at least basic understandings of different languages uh, whereas when I was a kid, that didn't exist. Either you spoke a different language or you didn't. Uh, you had very little uh, technical uh, capability of making an on-the-spot translation. You had to have a translator, a physical person to translate for you. So does yes, technology exactly. help all of this? I think it really, it really helps. It really helps uh, in terms of uh, of the things that you you've mentioned. So it also helps uh, migrants nowadays uh, when also when they arrive to the destination um, to the country that is their destination that um, there are a lot like. Um, many more nowadays uh, tools, also online tools that they can use to, for example, learn the language. Uh, and also the other way around, like for Brazilians, for example, to, to learn English. And uh, I think it's very, very cool and very helpful, definitely. Yeah, because in the, uh, what I've seen that, and uh, the person that I interviewed last week was Vanessa Puerta, she's also an intercultural consultant. Uh, and she actually mentioned that as being a facilitator and uh, also mentioning, and specifically here in Brazil, that uh, for migrants or refugees, uh, there, there are online programs that help them. Because here, too, to be able to work, you do need a work permit. And what she yes. mentioned today, the work permit can be had online. Uh, so there are these types of facilitators to to ease this process of integrating a person and getting them. And that, that's the legal side that you mentioned. Uh, because yes. really to work legally, you need uh, uh, documentation and companies are required to see that before they can hire you. But if that process, if techno technology is, is helping that process, that's helping the whole process of migration and, and refugee integration. Exactly, definitely. The important point to make here is that there are some migrants groups that are less privileged than the others. So some of them might not have, of course, uh, any uh, access to, to internet or to computer. Um, and then 
of course, not all of all of uh, migrants, unfortunately, they are able to access those really great tools. Uh, but that's the thing that also, um, as I have learned, uh, different organizations in, in Sao Paulo state and I'm sure in other states in Brazil also do is to make um, to make lives of those people uh, easier by also enabling them to access, for example, internet to help them um, through that process too. So, so it's very, very, very important. Very good. I just want to touch on a point that I, I mentioned when I came to Brazil. I didn't speak uh, Portuguese. And mm -hmm. some of the things of being in a, a society in, a, in an area where you don't understand the language. Uh, you've come here. You said offline that you were here uh, in August for a month. So actually you came to Brazil without learning, the, without knowing the language. You're, you're trying to learn now. What is the impact? Uh, so you've come here. You're in a country that's sort of modern in many aspects, but you landed mm -hmm. and didn't speak the language. How do you feel here? Yes, that's a really interesting experience. I'm, I'm sure for you it was as well, but sometimes it's very frustrating because you cannot communicate with uh, the people on your own and very often you end up being dependent on someone when it comes to very basic communication. So it was like that for me. I just, uh, when I came here the first time in August this year, I was just able to really say very basic words and also under, like I thought I'm gonna understood very basic uh, phrases or words, but as turned out in practice, understanding uh, Portuguese it wasn't that easy for me. Understanding what other people it say wasn't, wasn't, wasn't that easy, easy for me either. So don't don't, don't feel <laughs> privileged in that. Okay, <laughs> I see. That's a common that's a common uh, problem, right? For for new Portuguese speakers. But anyways, um, I so yeah. So so it was really. Um, it was really difficult to to understand. So. I would say the experience of that was uh, was frustrating me, especially because I was meeting new people, mm -hmm. um, uh, friends uh, and family of uh, of my boyfriend, who is a Brazilian. And uh, for me, uh, not being able to say what I want to them right. or not being able, like not being understood by them. Right. Uh, uh, even though both of us were really trying. So I was really trying, the person I was talking to was really trying to understand me, but it just didn't work uh, because of the, the lack of the, the language uh, knowledge. So that was really, really frustrating for me uh, because I, I ended up kind of not being able to talk to a lot of people right. without a, a translator. Uh, but then now, as I've started to really learn more, and now I really do my Portuguese course very intensely, I can say it's it's way easier for me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how was that for you. I'm you I'm laughing here, here to myself because uh, I found the same thing. You you really want to communicate. You want to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, hear people talking in their own language and interacting and you want to be part of that conversation and really what I found for uh, 
a long time was I was always smiling and sort of shaking my head and sort of in agreement <laughs> and not really sure what I was agreeing with. But I just decided, well, smile and say, okay, and take things that way. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's the way it goes. But I, I think from a, a professional point, and this is for you, and this helped me back to the multicultural understanding uh, I felt when I came, and you felt that, of really how most migrants or refugees feel. Uh, some of them, you, you chose to come here. To, I chose to come here. Uh, mm-hmm. Other migrants or refugees don't necessarily have that choice. They sort of end up somewhere uh, for any number of reasons. But the, the cultural impact uh, of being in a place where you can't speak, it's massive. And you only, yes. and you only feel that when you go through it. Yeah, exactly. I really want to thank you for making that that point uh, because that's the thing. I have worked with uh, migrants and refugees in Poland for four years now before I came here. And um, I never actually went through the experience that they were going through. So the people that I was working with on a daily basis uh, I never was able to feel what they were feeling or what right. they had felt uh, when they first came to Poland. And uh, as you said, either on their own, uh, with their own choice or totally without choosing to, to be in, in this country. Um, because before coming to Brazil, most of the countries that I visited were either German speaking or uh, I also went to UK or US and then I could very good communicate in English. Mm-hmm. I also speak German. So for me, I never had this um, this experience. Uh, so here to be able to feel that was also very, uh, very important for me. So it was a good, good lesson. And, I, and it is. Everybody talks about cultural shock, but you really only understand what it means once you've passed through it. Exactly. <laughs> well, Alexandra, I, I want to thank you. We're coming to the end of our time, but it's been really enjoyable speaking with you. I'm going to congratulate you again on uh, what you do and how you do it, not only in Poland, but now uh, bringing some of your expertise here to Brazil and wherever you're going to be walking in your life throughout the world. I think uh, social integration is a requirement that we all need to understand and know more about. And that's not only helping the persons integrate, but uh, most of the people I know as eventual employers of people, they also Mm -hmm. have to understand that this is a process. We We need to help include people. And the more we can include them and give them a meaning to life, the the better life in the world will be. Exactly. Thank you so much for for saying that. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm really also impressed with the work that you do with with the networking. And I think that's very important. And uh, cultural and intercultural communication is really significant in that, too, I'm, I'm sure. So... Uh, also, good luck with uh, with your work and with the podcast. And thank you very much. Okay, and thank you again. I want to thank our listeners. Uh, you can also find out more about Alexandra, and that's Yaroska, but you spell it. It's J-A-R-O-C-K-A. So that would be Jaroka. And it's Alexandra's A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R-A 
J-A-R-O-C-K-A. Find her on LinkedIn uh, for more contact and more understanding of what she does. And I'd also like to invite everybody to visit our website, which is www.talktobrazil.com. That's T-A-L-K, the number two, B-R-A-Z-I-L.com. And thank you, our audience, remind everyone that today's program was brought to us by Focus MI Market Intelligence. Focus MI specializes in market research for the Brazilian agricultural market. More about them on their site, focusmi.com. Remember, when you talk to Tom, you talk to Brazil and the world. Goodbye and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Tom Riach on Talk to Brazil, the business connector to Brazil. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.